I started I started recording, so whatever the fuck happens, happens. Yeah. Also, what are we doing about swearing for this season? You can swear. I'm not gonna swear. I know, but here's the thing. Like, do your parents do, do your parents even like care that we do a podcast anymore? I don't think my parents have asked me about this in like a year. Um, honestly, no. And the funny thing is, the people that have asked have been like other friends. They're like, "Hey, how's your podcast going?" And their friends are like, "You know, like everybody's asking." Oh yeah, how about like random times about the podcast? And I'm like, "Yeah, I need to start it up again." And you know, yeah, it's like. It, it, it's like I forget we have a podcast, and then someone will come up and be like, "Hey, you guys are still recording that?" And I'll be like, "I, I don't know." It was like, just funny. Are we? Whenever, whenever we hung out, like, but this past, like, this past year, basically, like, people like, "Oh, I'm Ani." Like, people that you know, you knew, and like, if I was introducing to my friends, like, "Oh, this is Aditya or Shri, whatever," and like, like, "Oh, you guys will have a podcast together, right?" And we both look at each other and be like, "Yeah." Totally. Like, uh, yeah, like that sheepish at the, acknowledgement of. At the Hassan show, like, whenever we ran into anybody that, you know, either of us knew combined or you were introducing me to someone that I didn't know, like, they were like, oh, I know, I know you. And it's like, oh, yeah, the podcast. And we're like, yeah. You see, we we can't be known as the podcast guys if we're not doing the podcast. Exactly. So this, is a, this is a call to action. Dude, I, did, I just checked. Our last episode was August 2021, and it was about the Bucks. Like, can they win the, the championship this year? TBH, I don't really know if they can. Uh, it's like, it's, I mean, it wasn't. I, wasn't a hot take, but I didn't think the Suns would be as good as they as they are this year. But like you know, and I definitely under, I definitely stopped on the Warriors honestly because the Warriors are doing super well this year. But okay, let's, let's we're here to talk football. Let's what are, what, what are we starting off with? Which game? Let's <laughs> go, any of the games let, work? Let's go chronological because like I think it set the tone the Bengals Titans game because like right. it wasn't the greatest of games, uh, partly due to the Bengals offensive line just being in utter shambles. And what nine sacks? Yeah, the Burrow got sacked nine times. Yeah, and I was watching with some friends who like don't watch every football game, and they were just like confused. They were like, "Why is like how are they in the playoffs? Like their offensive line is atrocious." And I was like, "I, I understand." Hey man, they beat the Raiders to get there, so I know. I I was just as surprised as you. I thought the Raiders had a pretty good pass rush on Burrow, but nine sacks. Like Tennessee losing that game is pretty shocking to me i mean to me it's not because i think that their biggest weakness all season if there was any and granted they were the number one seed so obviously you know they didn't have too many weaknesses but like when the last drive was happening i in my head i was like dude if Tannehill pick like like throws a pick here like cincinnati could win this and it exactly happened and i was like wow like i didn't think that would actually happen i was just like if all the quarterbacks in all the games it'd be like number one Tannehill, number two jimmy g to throw a pick on the last drive you know I mean, listen, Tannehill hasn't been like a top tier quarterback ever in his career. He's been like that middling 12, maybe 13th best guy in the league. Three picks in a playoff game. You still don't expect that from him, especially when you have, I know, a a reduced version of him. But Derrick Henry, like you just hand the ball off to him and hope for the best. Yeah, there's no situation you should ever be in which you're relying on Ryan Tannehill to get you over the hill. And you have two really good wide receivers, too. And it's not like you don't have the weapons on offense. So and their defense is actually really good. I was just really surprised overall uh, how the game went, especially considering. Are we, sh- are we sure Julio's still good? Okay, sure. I I agree with your thing. Yeah, he's but he's still Julio Jones. Like even if he's fifty percent of Julio Jones, he's better than like every receiver on the Giants, and like ha- almost all the receivers on the Jets, minus like Elijah Moore, I guess. So like he's better than but I think. I think from what we saw this season, no, you're right. Like he is still Julio Jones. Like that name means something, but. That's to me at least this season the way he played. That's like saying Melo's still really good. Like he's not that guy anymore. Yeah, but he doesn't have to be that guy because he's AJ Brown. He could be a wide receiver too. And like, th- think about this. Like, think if if Julio Jones was wide receiver two in Atlanta, how many more yards he would have, right? Like he's so good in his route running, and like he doesn't need to rely on his athletic ability per se, just because his route running so good that he really could have gotten single covered every single time and just exploded the season. And you know, granted. He had injuries. He didn't play the whole season. But I still think it was a disappointment in the sense that they had A.J. Brown, again, who, you know, he was injured for a little bit too. Every one of their mm-hmm. major pieces minus Tannehill was injured for a little bit. And I just thought that they, they would piece together in the playoffs and they didn't. And maybe maybe if they played the wild card, like played in the wild card, they played like a, no offense, but they played like a team that wasn't that good like the Raiders, then maybe they could have pieced it together yeah. then. So in the, in, the, in the divisional, they would have had a better. And, you know, we saw... Basically, every team that had a bye really struggled. 
right? So it was, right. it was kind of maybe like it was an 18-game season, but people took time off and a lot of injuries, and maybe that played a factor in the Titans. But I just think that this, this rests on Ryan Tannehill because, as you said, three picks in a playoff game is kind of inexcusable, especially when you have Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. Your defense sacked the opposing quarterback nine times. There's, there's a reason, right? right? And, like, there was a, a, a lot of issues with the Titans' offense, but I think they all center around, around Ryan Tannehill. And I think the really big reason why they center around him is because he went to Texas A&M. And clearly, A&M quarterbacks just don't do well in, in general in the NFL. And I think if you look at Texas quarterbacks, they do fantastic. But, you know, A&M quarterbacks, you know, they, they kind of struggle. And I think that's really the reason why the Titans lost, because they put their faith in, 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 in the wrong school. We also do have to give credit to, and yes, get your Texas bias out of here. We do have to give credit to the Bengals for, you know, weathering the storm. Like, the Titans' defense definitely came to win that game. And Burrow, for a guy, you know, coming off a season and that was cut short because of injury, definitely, I think, going to win the Comeback Player of the Year award. Um, I think his poise on that last drive showed me a lot. And, you know, so many things happen for the Bengals, these playoffs. You know, the first playoff win in what? 31 years, I have to make sure I have that stat right. Um, I think they showed some sort of resolve, both as a franchise getting that burden off of their back and also showing that this young core is more than just a young core. Like Jamar Chase, rookie, I think throughout the year, improved on his drops issues. He became one of the more sure-handed receivers in the league towards the latter half of the season. Um, You know, they have a lot of depth offensively, and I think that's something that is important for this AFC title game that's coming up. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to be honest, and we're going a bit ahead, but I don't think they have a chance against the Chiefs. But I think if they really take a look at their offseason and really invest in maybe one or two marquee offensive line free agents, but really focus on the offensive line of the draft and really bolster that together and also bolster together a parts of their defense that are, that are a bit missing then I think they can have a really complete team because, as I said, from an offensive standpoint, they have really good weapons. You know, they have Jamar Chase, they have T. Higgins uh, as the receivers, they have Joe Mixon as a running back, and then they have C.J. Uzoma, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Their tight end. Yeah, yep. who's who's pretty good, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. there's always these random tight ends that, are like, pop off for, like, a year or two. And then I remember there's one of the Bengals, one of the Browns, maybe in 2014, 2015. I really forget who they were, but, like, they were good for, like, a couple of years, like, they're not the Kelsey level, but I mean, who says Uzoma can't be like the Kelsey or Mark Andrews or, you know, George Kittle level, but they have a good enough team that they just need a one off season to piece, you know, together some important parts. And then I think the coaching isn't really an issue. And then bam, I think we see them again, potentially next year in the AFC championship game. Again, the AFC is super, super competitive, but potentially they, they, they have a shot just as, um, as well as the chiefs and the bills. If they put together a really good off season. I mean, this division's quarterbacks are absolutely insane. You have um, Lamar, you have Joe Burrow. That's it. It have... just stops there. It stops there. There's, there's, there's no other insanity of quarterbacks in that division because you're about to say Baker Sorry, Mayfield. I mean, I, no, 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 no. I was going to say conference. I meant oh, you have okay. guys good, like good, Herbert, good. you have Mahomes, Allen. Like, there's just so many elite number one draft pick level quarterbacks For sure. in this conference it's it's gonna be fun all these young guys for the next what 10 15 years and then we're not even counting what tua and trevor lawrence in that conversation which you know, i think that's more of a they, they need to get to this level first no but they have the ability to get to that level so imagine if they sure. develop next season you have like seven eight quarterbacks in the afc that are just awesome and fantastic and you know we also have another name in the afc on on, on the texans i won't really say the name but that quarterback, you know, from a skill perspective is quite good. From a human being perspective, definitely not very good. But, you know, like if it what happens to him, but like from just a pure, pure talent perspective, there's a lot of talent. I think from a pure from a tier, pure talent perspective, he's already there. Yeah. Like it's just his legal issues yeah. prevent us from really talking about this more. Yeah. But I mean, just barring him aside, you know, I don't think he's gonna get another shot in the NFL and I hope he doesn't, by the way, but you know, there's a lot of young talent and like people were saying like, Oh, Allen, Herbert, Burrow and um, Mahomes in the future and everyone's forgetting Lamar Jackson which I think is kind of crazy you know he did win the MVP and he is a fantastic player he might not be your traditional pocket passing quarterback but that's not to say you know maybe when he pairs up with AB and you know he's like oh AB come and AB posted a picture today of him on Instagram wearing a Ravens jersey 
with the number 84 on it. If AB goes there, it'll be hilarious to watch because I don't think it'll work, but like, sure. Like, well, you're going to have Hollywood Brown, Antonio Brown. You're going to have a whole family affair on that team. Truly, so truly. I think it could either be really, really good or AB's just going to walk off the field, take off his jersey, throw his pads in the crowd, and it's just going to be Tampa part two all over again. But Go, going back to the to, to the Titans real quick, you know, what do you think they can do to improve next season? Because I think they almost had a perfect season in terms of they got the one seed and they got everyone healthy right before the playoffs. Minus, you know, Taylor Lewan in terms of their offensive line. But, like, what can they do to improve next season? Because it seems like they had all the pieces. It seems like this was their year to at least go to the AFC Championship game. And that, that didn't happen. I think it's just staying healthy, man. Like, if if Derrick Henry didn't get hurt, like, obviously their backups performed well enough that they still, you know, clinched the number one seed, had a first round bye. Like... I just think they rushed Henry back a little too much. Like when you have a foot injury, that matters. And whether you're just coming off of injury and playing that week or resting another month to make sure everything is right, like you're going to worry about that foot when you play. Whether whether you're actively thinking it or not, somewhere in the back of your mind, it's going to be an issue. So I think if the Titans had maybe one or two weeks to play Henry and let him test out the leg before the playoffs, it would have done them a lot of favors. But I don't I don't think he was his peak at all. And then that's not just off the numbers. That's just from watching him play. So I think they give this one more shot. And if, if Tannehill's not the answer, then obviously look to upgrade there. But I, I don't think he's the problem. I just think they had to rely on him a little too much because of all the other issues. But my whole thing is if you can't rely on your quarterback in the NFL that you need an upgrade there. There's no team that's ever won anything meaningful without relying on their quarterback. Even if you look at a team that had a backup quarterback, the Eagles and Nick Foles, they relied heavily on him and he, he delivered, you know, and he isn't, you know, hasn't delivered since then, you know, unless he's literally been called like from being a backup to randomly start, which is kind of funny and weird to see. But the point is you need a quarterback to stand and deliver even if you have all these amazing weapons, if you if you have Derrick Henry, you need to be able to rely on your quarterback for at least one game from time to time. And I just don't see Ryan Tannehill as the answer. But I mean, yeah, to be fair, Tannehill was a backup to Mariota before he ended up getting his position. So yeah. it did come full circle for him, like started off in Miami, you know, middling career backup and then, you know, back to prominence. So we'll see how it goes with Tannehill. But I think they need to give this one more shot. I don't think they had any glaring weaknesses. I think they have, you know, another 10 and 7, 11 and 6 type year in them. Um, if they're healthy, who knows, 12 and 5. But yeah, for sure. They run it back. Yeah. And then now we can go to the the Ice Bowl part two. Actually, not even part two, part one million, whatever. 49ers Packers oh game 13 to 10. Crazy game. I had a couple of friends that were there and they were like, dude, it was so cold. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Wisconsin cold and Green Bay cold is just insane. But I mean, in my mind, there's two big storylines from here. I guess, honestly, three big storylines. One is the end of the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay. I, I don't see him coming back to Green Bay after this performance and after, in my opinion, what the team led him down on and let him down on. Sorry. And then the second storyline is the 49ers defense is just amazing. And the third storyline is Jimmy G. We can start from the first one again. I think Green Bay as a franchise let Aaron Rodgers down. I didn't think he had his best game. Obviously, he didn't. But I think from a special teams perspective, we've known all season that the Packers special team is going to be a problem when it comes to the playoffs, right? And we saw that right there. And as a Chargers fan, I know a lot about bad special teams units. And the Green Bay one was absolutely atrocious. And they failed at the exact worst possible moments. The Green Bay special teams unit was ranked dead last. The team second to last, the San Francisco 49ers. So absolutely brutal matchup between two of the worst special teams units. But to go back on the Rodgers point, I think I'm done making excuses for him in the postseason. Like every year it's, oh, Green Bay failed him. The infrastructure wasn't there. Coaching was an issue back with Mike McCarthy. Um... There was always not enough weapons. You know, 
if you have Aaron Jones as your running back, that's fine. If you have Devontae Adams as your wide receiver one, that's fine. I think a lot of playmakers on that Packers team played really, really well this season. If you told me after that first drive where Green Bay scored, proceeded to sack Jimmy G, forced turnover on downs, that they wouldn't score more than three points the rest of that game, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have told you that's the best player in the league. There's no way he's only putting up three more points the rest of the game. But testament to the Niners defense and also Rodgers' inability to make big plays in that game. Like I think he is more responsible for this loss than any other component of the team. And yeah, special teams, big, big letdown. But at the end of the day, football is four quarters, not two plays. And I think Rodgers was highly ineffective for most of this game. Uh, no, I have to agree on that. And if, if you just look at the number of people he targeted on, on the offensive side of the ball, I think like all the wide receivers other than uh, Devontae Adams had like two two combined targets. It's absolutely... No, he was... He was forcing stuff into double coverage to Adams for absolutely no reason. He had guys, Valdez, Scantling, just guys wide open down the middle of the field that he just did not throw to. Exactly. So, for sure. I mean, again, I'm not saying that this loss can't be blamed on Aaron Rodgers, but thinking about it from his perspective, yeah, in the playoffs, sometimes he hasn't performed well. I mean, sometimes what can you do? You know, in, in the playoffs, like, sometimes it just is what it is. Like, if you take, for example, the game that happened against the 49ers two or three years ago, in the divisional, when the 49ers ran all over him, the game, the Kaepernick, both years in a row where the 49ers ran over him again. Like, those games, like, what can Aaron Rodgers really do? Not much, you know? And there's games where right. he can do a lot, like this game, and he hasn't. So it's been a combination of both. But I just think if you look at his tenure in Green Bay, they've never drafted an offensive weapon in the first round, I think since, like, 2005, or some insane number like that. Like, mm-hmm. some for a long, long time, they basically didn't draft any offensive weapons and like you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league but like yeah you had Randall Cobb you had Jordy Nelson I think all the receivers Aaron Rodgers have played with Devontae Adams is like the only one receiver that's like a bona fide superstar everybody else like Aaron Rodgers just makes look really good like Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson like those aren't guys are supposed to be super good but like Jordy Nelson was no I mean props to them I I love them and like I love watching Jordy Nelson he kind of reminds me of Cooper Cup before Cooper Cup you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, I just it's like a bigger Cooper Cup, I think. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup's still pretty big, though. He's deceivingly big. He is huge, yeah. But I mean, I just my whole point is like, you drafted Jordan Love, like why? Like you could have drafted a wide receiver in the first. You could have drafted so many other things, and it's like it's because they they drafted a quarterback knowing Rodgers was going to be out any one of these years. It's just you didn't know when. There was so much off-season drama, chaos. You don't know the quarterback Yeah, because all, all he wanted was, literally his whole point was like, guys, I just need some help. Just draft some offensive help for me and I'll be good, right? Like, and if they drafted, like, if they traded up for Justin Jefferson and drafted him, that would have been so lit. Imagine Devontae and Justin Jefferson on the same team in Green Bay. Oh, like, man. yeah, no, and they had the opportunity to. They just literally mm-hmm. didn't, right? So, like, I just think from Aaron Rodgers' perspective, the franchise has let him down because for most seasons, the defense has been mediocre. I mean, this season, the defense was pretty good, right, as mm-hmm. the 49ers can tell you. And, like, there's always been some issue. And when there hasn't been some, like, it, there's always some issue combined with the fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't perform well in the postseason necessarily. You know, it's, like, both yeah. combined. And for, for some players, it's like, like, Brady never needed to worry about anything other than, like, driving down the field and scoring. Right. That's the only thing he did. Like he had complete faith in his defense and complete faith in his special teams, right? And that just shows obviously what a great head coach Bill Belichick is. But like from a quarterback perspective, even now in Tampa Bay, he hadn't really needed to worry about his defense or special teams, right? I mean, this game against the Rams, which we'll talk about next, was you know a great game, and the defense definitely sort of didn't do a great job in the first half. But they were super, you know, like their secondary wasn't as full strength as it could have been, and there were some issues in the, in the secondary. But, I mean, just think about Tom Brady's career. Think about Peyton Manning's career, right? For the most part, his defense in Indianapolis and his defense, especially in Denver, has been absolutely fantastic. Just think about these great quarterbacks. They only need to worry about just going down the field and scoring. But Aaron Rodgers, for most of his career in Green Bay, has had to worry about, you know, can my defense stop the ball? And, like, I remember I was having a conversation with one of my friends that, you know, doesn't know too much about football. was like, yeah, like, who, who would you want in, like, a – two-minute drill to go down the field and score, right? And then also, who would you want if you have a big lead in the first half to keep the lead, 
right? And the first one, everyone was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers for sure. You know, two-minute two drill, Aaron Rodgers is amazing, right? But to keep the lead yep. in this in the, from, from the first half to the second half when you have a big lead, everyone was like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady. And I think the reason we say that is because, like, we, we've seen him methodically go down and just get them into scoring position, hit the field goal, sure. But Aaron Rodgers, we don't see him do that because I feel like he has this pressure on his back, like, oh, my defense, even if we have a 21-point lead in the first half, they might let it up, right? His entire career. Wait, can I be can I be honest with you? I think I'd flip those answers. Really? Okay. I think in a pressure situation, Brady makes the most out of what's given to him on the field. And I think Aaron Rodgers with a big lead is as close to an unstoppable quarterback as we've ever seen. I mean, I think if you could put Tom Brady in the two-minute situation, and I'll be perfectly fine with that. You can put Peyton Manning. You can put a lot of these great quarterbacks in the two-minute situation. That's why they're great quarterbacks, right? But I feel, yeah. I feel like sometimes, I mean, this is only the case sometimes, I feel like Tom Brady, when he has a big lead, for the most part, doesn't squander it. But I've seen a lot of times where Aaron Rodgers has a big lead, and it just goes away super quickly, not because of his own fault, but because he feels pressured that, oh, you know, he needs to score, because if he doesn't, his defense is going to let up a touchdown right away. I think this year, we can't say that. Like, no, the, I agree. The Packers' defense was consistently this year, throughout the year. You this take year, away that yeah. first game where they got blown out, elite unit. Yeah, no, this year, I 100% agree. And if you think about the losses that they've had, they had a loss to the Bucks early the season, in which Aaron Rodgers threw a pick six, right? And, like, that was, like, a loss to me that was like, yeah, you know, that's totally not on the defense. That's Aaron Rodgers. But for the most part, this defense has been really solid. So, you know, this mm-hmm. year, I think, yeah, you know, special teams unit in the last game, you know, in the playoffs, yeah, they, they lost that game, but also Aaron Rodgers lost that game. It was definitely, was it one or the other? But I think from an overall perspective of his career at Green Bay, you know, from Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, thinking about, you know, should I stay in Green Bay or should I leave? I would leave because the, the franchise has not given me what I've asked for. And if you're as good as he is, you know, like, think about, like, all the times Tom Brady or Peyton Manning have asked for something and they've gotten it from a franchise level. Like, Aaron Rodgers has gotten none of it, right? Almost his entire career. So I have a hypothetical for you. If you're the Dolphins, do you offer Tua for, like, two years of A-Rod? Yeah. I mean, any shot you get of winning a Super Bowl, I I think you take it. I think there's, like, a couple of teams in the league that shouldn't try and get Rodgers and it's like the Chiefs the Bills the Chargers uh I guess that's like the Bills yeah like those teams you don't want to try and trade for Rodgers but most other teams yeah of course even the Raiders yeah tra- trade car for Rodgers 100% no like think about the, think about the current Raiders team with Rodgers on it it's absolutely insane no I agree I think you get one more weapon on offense yeah. and you're set yeah so he can make the most with the weapons he has right now. So it's just like, I, I mean, I'm just in my head. I'm like, if I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd want to leave. But I mean, that's, we can, we can stop talking about him now. Cause I'm sure there's going to be many, many more episodes to come about where he's going to go. Is it going to be Denver? Is it going to be, I mean, I guess I was going to say new Orleans, but Sean Payton's gone. So, I mean, who knows about that situation? You know, it could be San Francisco. You never know. Yeah, truly. But speaking of San Francisco, I mean, they're playing the Rams next weekend given what you saw out of jimmy g you know i mean again i think it's gonna be a really close game they've won six in a row it's gonna be hard to make it seven though but listen i there's all this talk about how the niners have the rams number and how shanahan just out coaches mcveigh every time different beast in the playoffs i think this is you can't take all of that and use that for any justification for this game this is a rams team that's rounding into form and yeah, they didn't close well against the Bucks. They were up big, 27-3, and then a couple of costly fumbles. Just mistakes you don't expect from that team. Cam Akers, two fumbles. Um, final score, a lot closer than what we thought. Ended up becoming a really, really good game. But the Rams were the more dominant team in that game. And I don't see the Niners doing what the Rams did to a team like the Bucks, going up 27-3. Just because the Niners' defense... Very, very elite. The Niners offense, if Jimmy G is turning the ball over, that is such a burden on this team. And I know he wins a lot. His record as a Niners starter is fantastic. But as ESPN's Mina Kaim says, wins are not a quarterback stat. There are so many guys on that Niners offense that do so much. Yards after the catch. Um, the running offense is all Shanahan, all Eli Mitchell, all guys that make the most out of every small gap, every tiny crease. And 
I I don't think Jimmy G is the guy to keep pace with a dude like Matt Stafford in this game. No, I 1,000% agree with your thing. I think this game rests on Jimmy G, right? If Jimmy G doesn't turn the ball over and he can put together some drafts on offense, I think the 49ers win this. If he makes mistakes or if he can't perform, then I I don't think there's a possibility where it's going to be as close as the Packers. I think the Rams are just too talented and, you know, it's it's not going to be a 10-3, 13-10 type of game. I think it's going to be in the 20s, just like, you know, the last game of the regular season or second to last game. Mm -hmm. I I forget which one. I think it was the last game of the regular season. It was was last game. Jimmy, well, uh, ironically, Jimmy G led that last drive to send it to overtime. He has the capability to do so. He has, like, all the weapons to do so on offense. It's just he needs to do it. Right, so it just depends. This, this, like the the playoff hopes of the 49ers rest on JBG. Which, if you have that good of a defense and you're going against the Rams, this juggernaut offense, like that makes sense. You know, like just depends on how how good your offense is. And for me, it's just like if Jimmy G performs, like let's go, 49ers win. If he doesn't, then I think the Rams take it. It's a very cut and dry. Like this is the easiest matchup to be like, yeah, there's like one main factor here. mm Hmm. I think one reason also why I'm so bullish on the Rams, and I get the skepticism, trust me, like losing that many in a row to the Niners under Shanahan. I get it. It's just that game against Tampa had all the makings of a collapse. Like I fully, fully thought the Rams were going to lose that game with like three minutes left. But then Stafford unloaded that bomb to Cup. They schemed well, knowing that they were in a pressure situation. And I think that says a lot about how this team is different than any of the Jared Goff Rams teams, right? Like, you have a quarterback who can make a big, explosive, smart read in tense situations. And Stafford's been there so many times. Like, maybe not in the playoffs as much. Like, he hasn't won a game in the playoffs under Detroit. And he's already won more playoff games for the Rams than he ever did in Detroit. But that's encouraging if you're a fan of the Rams if you like Matt Stafford knowing that he can do that in the playoffs yeah the Rams have a better shot now than they ever have even when they made that Super Bowl they have a better shot now because of Matthew Stafford that's just how good he is and yeah for sure that that last minute play to cup was a thing of beauty but like also like the Bucks played garbage defense on, on that like they expected a short pass they just like Cooper Cup literally ran by the safety and was wide open Right. I mean, granted, I don't think Jared Goff would have made that throw. <laughs> and I don't think McVay would have called that play with Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff would have overthrown him. Yeah. Jared Goff's got an arm. <laughs> he wouldn't have made the throw in the sense Cooper Cup wouldn't have caught the ball if Jared Goff threw the ball. Is is is, is my belief. It would have it would, something yes. would have happened. But I mean, yeah, for sure. Matt Stafford gives them a, 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 such a big edge this year compared to previous years. But we'll just have to see. I mean, they they're 0 2 against the Niners this season. Right, uh, all streaks have to end, so I think that's like the biggest thing. Is like, I think this win streak kind of like makes a big difference in the mentality of the 49ers just because I mean, it's hard to you, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, we're not gonna think about it, but like in everybody's head, it's like, yeah, of course, you're gonna think about it. Like, six straight mm-hmm. years, like, it's 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 gonna end eventually. Like, even the Packers lose to the Bears and to the Lions once in a while, right? Like, it's bound to happen mm-hmm. eventually, so just hope that like the 49ers, like really put a good offensive game plan together and you know and i think they have they have all the capability to do so like they have a really good running back group um and then they have debo samuel who's i think the most unique (laughs) offensive weapon in football like right now they never use trey sermon though to me it's crazy you like i I watched trey sermon a lot in college went to oklahoma and like i I drafted him even in fantasy football i'm like oh he's gonna thrive under shanahan never got used Mm -hmm. and i was just so confused as to why but yeah, but they they're just too deep at that position, and also finding Eli Mitchell was such a steal. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, now moving on, you talked about the Rams, the Bucks, heartbreaking loss for them. Is Brady going to come back? Is he going to retire? He talked about it earlier today and yesterday as well. He's talking about how it's like a family decision. He's talking over with his family and see what they're going to think. And also, if he doesn't think he's going to put in a hundred percent or be a hundred percent of himself, he's not going to come back and. It's pretty crazy to think about what Aaron Rodgers and Brady potentially retiring in the same year, right? It's going to be a really different NFL if they both leave. And honestly, I'm not sure which way Brady's leaning because he's done everything he's needed to do in every situation. He's he's won the most number of rings. And just if he walks away now, I think it'll be a happy ending for him. But I also, yeah, like I think this is 
a good year for him to go out because it wasn't a playoff game in which he got blown out. And obviously, you'd love to retire going out of Super Bowl champ, but I think he went down clawing and fighting. And it's just the type of attitude that Brady's embodied his whole career. Like, Drew Bledsoe went down, Brady stepped in. Um, like, just never quits, I guess. Yeah. Really interesting to see, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, I mean, the Bucks kind of, if they don't have Brady, they're kind of... <laughs> Useless, right? <laughs> yeah. They have all the weapons, except for quarterback. I don't even know. Who, I think it's a Blaine Gabbert. Like, who is the backup quarterback for the Bucks? Hey, that's a Deshaun. Oh, I can't say his name. That's a team that he could go to. Yeah, but then they have to trade away assets that they kind of need. Like, they have such a good team. Without a good quarterback, like they have the best receiver. Ah! Ooh, excuse me. That sounded like a dog barking. <laughs> uh, oh, like a really small That's the cry dog. for help that the Bills needed after that game. Yeah, let, yeah. Let's talk about the Bills Chiefs game because I mean, credit to the Bills, credit to the Chief, credit to everyone. Crazy game, and I think there's been a lot of talk, obviously, the last couple of days about NFL overtime rules. I have a bit to say about that, but first, let's talk about the game from a you know a perspective of that was one of the best NFL games of the past. I would say like that couple, lifetime, yeah, dude. Like, At least like in games that I've watched and you've watched, like crazy, absolutely insane. And like, think about the level of play, not only for Allen and Mahomes, but all the playmakers. Yeah. Like, there was a recent clip that the NFL put out about that last drive where. You know, which is soon to be iconic, 13 seconds left. Um, Mahomes and Kelsey just kind of improvising the last play. Um, they get Hill open for a nice chunk gain down the middle, and Kelsey recognizes that both guys covering him are kind of sandwiching him, leaving the seam wide, wide open, and kind of tells Mahomes, and Mahomes is like, do it, Kelsey, do it, Kelsey, and they get it. Like, <laughs> I thought execution-wise... Every key player on both teams just played at their best level. On offense. Yes. On defense. Both teams, especially towards the like towards the end of the game. Like that Gabriel Davis touchdown, Gabriel Davis shook that defender completely oh off God. his feet and then filthy route. But the thirteen seconds. Okay. The first play, whatever, right? Like that did the hill catch. But the Kelsey catch, like uh Didarius Butler, who's a former D B like puts YouTube videos and, and Twitter videos like analyzing these things. He was talking about that last the last play the Kelsey catch, and he was like, "Yeah, like there there was a linebacker in coverage to Kelsey, which is obviously a mismatch, but he was just playing his like he was playing as if though it was a regular game, and he was just playing zone. And he didn't even like look to see what Kelsey was doing really. He just like looked in and like stood in his zone, and that's not what you're supposed to do with like eight seconds left, literally being the last play of the game, and." I also hate it when teams play prevent defense. Yeah. Like, I know you're supposed to in situations like that. I just think you should just play straight up defense. Yeah, I agree. And, like, maybe maybe you cover Hill, like, double cover him and, like, put one over the top. But, like, for Kelsey, like, jam him at the line, right, and make sure he doesn't get the ball. But they gave him so uh-huh. much leeway, and the, the linebacker was p- playing way. Like, he was, like, his leverage was terrible. And, like, once Kelsey caught the ball— Kelsey ran another 25 more yards before he got tackled. That's the crazy part, right? Is Was it 25? It was It was at least 20. I don't think it was. Like, he caught the ball around, like, I would say his 40-yard his line, and he went down at the 30-yard line, right? So, yeah. Uh, I, because I don't know how many it was after the catch, but, yeah, it was. The, the, the hill play, play was only about 15, 20 yards, and they, had, they yeah. went down all the way to the 30-yard line, right? So, like even even if he got tackled at the, at the forty yard line, that's a t- ten yard further kick, right? That's a fifty four yard kick, like f- fifty seven yard kick. That's a p- pretty hard kick to make, right? Like no, it was fantastic execution and amazing play by Kelsey to recognize the defense wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. Yeah, and, and sad for Josh Allen, he played his heart out. I think he had more touchdowns than incomplete passes in the postseason, which is insane. Nine touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, and just, wow. Yeah. Uh, but. Let's talk a little bit about the overtime rules, because I mean, I have I have my thoughts, and I want to hear yours. I mean, I I messaged you about this already. Like, I think college football does overtime so much better than the NFL. And for those of you who might not know the college football rules too well, it's basically 
both teams get a chance to score from either the opponent's 30 or 25 yard line. I'm not totally 25. sure about that, but it's 25. Yeah. All right. They start at the opponent's 25 yard line and get a chance to score. The other team, no matter what the result is, gets a rebuttal. And if they don't at least match what the first team does or whichever side scores, it's the game's over. So I think giving both teams a chance to possess the ball is one thing that needs to happen. Whatever the configuration, the technical aspects of the rules, I don't care about that. Just give both teams an opportunity to have the ball, a score or not score. Yeah, and I was talking with a lot of people on on Twitter about this, but I, I came to the conclusion, which I think is true, that the NFL, not even football, but specifically the NFL, is the only sport that doesn't allow both teams the opportunity to score in an overtime period. Like every other sport, like basketball, soccer, hockey, right? Even like even in golf, mm-hmm. when, you, when you have a playoff, both both guys get a chance to like do that hole, right? And granted, right. a lot of these you know sports, there's not one offensive and one defensive side like there is in football, but still, like every other sport, even in cricket, right, where there is technically a defense, right. Like if if it, if it goes to a super over, both teams have the opportunity to 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 go batting, right? To go on offense. Yeah. Football, the NFL is the only sport that doesn't allow, like what the like, the the offense of one team to potentially go on. And the people online are like, and Darius Butler said this. He's like, oh, it's a test of the defense, man. Like the defense should be able to hold them. No, it's a test of one defense, not both defenses, right? Because I guarantee you, if the Bills won the coin toss, they for sure would have won. Right, because both defenses I mean, were gassed. Did they let up like what twenty something points in the last two minutes of the game? Neither defense was going to make a play yeah, in overtime. Exactly, like that's just given. And I think there's a stat that, and people will use this to justify why the rule change shouldn't happen. That only fifty two percent of the teams that win the coin toss end up winning, and this is during regular season overtime games since the rule change. Um, but in the playoffs, it's ten and one. In the playoffs, it's right. It's a huge number, and but the one loss has was the Saints Rams game in 2018, where the Rams committed an atrocious pass interference call that that wasn't called, and that was such an atrocious call that the NFL like it led the NFL to implement a rev, like a potential review on pass interference the next season, right? It was such a bad call led led to a rule change, and NFL admitted, yeah, that was that was clearly passed. Like that's the reason the Rams won was because they committed a penalty that just wasn't called. Otherwise, the Saints would would for sure have won that game. Right, so it's. I have no vested interest in rooting for the Buffalo Bills, but after that regular or after that regulation period, I wanted to see Josh Allen with the football. Yeah, I just I just wanted to see what he could do. Mm-hmm. And if if it's like you get ten minutes, whatever, right? Like let's let's let, 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 let's say it's a ten minute period, and then the Chiefs take all ten minutes, and they go down the field and kick a field goal. That's fine by me because like. That's really good by the offense, but like in in this situation, that's not even the case. So right, I don't know. I, I think I think both teams need need a chance to possess the football. Then you could do like a five minute sudden death thing. And what one of my friends Sai said, the NFL should have renamed overtime sudden death because that's literally what it is. It is an overtime, and I agree. It's not overtime. And all people like that are defending this, like Jeff Saturday, for example. He's like, "What are we gonna do? Start a whole new game?" Like, yeah, dude. Like, what do you think happens in every other sport? Like, yeah, you start, like right. in the NBA, you basically start a whole another game, and it's a five minute game. Whatever happened the previous forty eight minutes, you forget about. That's. I think one thing you one thing you can't do is like the endless overtime thing no, with football. There just needs because. To be an end. No, no, there has to be an end, right? And like other sports, you can get away with it because of. Just objectively, they are less physical sports than football. Like, there's such a taxing demand on every single individual on that team that you can't afford to do something like four or five overtimes. But I do think that giving, like, at least a start. I don't, I'm not a rule maker. I don't know anything about creating proper rules for football, but the least you can do is give both teams a chance. Yeah. And the reason why I like the college football format so much is because you're only defending 25 yards. The physicality mm-hmm. aspect of it is significantly reduced. You're not going the whole length of the field like 15 times. Even if it's a quadruple overtime game, like you're only defending one one field length technically, right? 25 yards times four. I also think it's really cool to see like 
more finer aspects of the game in the 25 yard no, field. Like you get to see sure. more like creative route running. You get to see individual cornerback matchups against wide receivers. Like there's a lot more of the fun stuff you get to analyze instead of just, Oh, we're starting at the 25. No. Yeah. And like the, the, your own 25. Yeah. Just no, exactly. My favorite game I've ever watched was Notre Dame, Texas triple overtime. And it was just so cool to see like punch being thrown, punch being matched, you know, like, and right. some people aren't the fan of the college overtime in the NFL. And, you know, that's fine. But I think it's more fair than what we have now. So, Oh, anything is better than what the NFL has right yeah, now. Yeah, agreed. So, I mean, let's go into our predictions for the championship weekend. Uh, the, the, you know, we got the NFC, AFC. NFC is Niners versus Rams rematch part three. We talked about this before. I think the Rams are going to take it. I, I just think that, like, the streak has to get broken eventually. I want the 49ers to win, but I, I think the Rams are going to take it. Yeah, I think I think a lot of my friends are big on this Niners Shanahan over McVeigh hype train, and I don't blame them. But I think the Rams are just objectively more talented, defensively built for the playoffs, um, offensive juggernaut when everything's clicking and they're not turning the ball over. I don't see how they squander this. I agree. I think the other game is really obvious. I think the Chiefs are obviously going to go to the Super Bowl. If they didn't, I would be so surprised. Just because, like, the Bills are a significantly better team than the Bengals. And in most, uh, and basically every aspect. And the Chiefs, like, it was a close game. But I just don't see the Chiefs losing to the Bengals unless something ridiculous happens. Because Cincinnati's defense is not, I mean, is not this... good enough to stop Patrick Mahomes for, for, for a quarter. So. No, you're right about not being able to stop Patty. But... I mean, with Burrow and Chase, I'm not counting them out. Like, oh no, they're not. I don't think. I don't think they'll win, but I don't think they're just gonna roll over. I think it'll be some sort of like tight three point game going into the fourth, and then Mahomes just leads a drive. Defense steps up. Um, I don't think it's a blowout. I think it's a lot closer than what people will think. I'm not. I'm not sure if I said. I thought. Did I say it would be a blowout or? I think you like. Well, you said the Chiefs had no. I mean, the the Bengals yeah, had no chance. I, I don't think the Bengals. And I think have they a have a chance. I, I think it's gonna be a close game, but I think the Bengals have no chance. By it being a close game, that literally means they have a chance. Nah. What the hell? Okay, then what? What does having no chance mean? It means the Bengals are playing the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are gonna win. It doesn't matter how close it's gonna be. The Chiefs will always will always win in one hundred percent of the time. Not one hundred, but like maybe ninety nine out of a hundred games, the Chiefs are gonna win. But like. The Chiefs are just the better team, and I, I hope I eat my words because I don't want to see Patrick Mahomes another Super Bowl. Like I would love to see Joe Burrow another Super Bowl, but no, I like Patrick. I think I don't. I I like Patrick. Yeah, but I have a vested I interest like as a, a Chargers fan, and I don't know why you're not. You're a Raiders fan. They're, you're you're they're in our division, dude. Like you can't be like. All right, listen. I there's two games a year where I hate Patrick Mahomes. Otherwise, I love watching. The no, guy I love play. watching him play. I hate when he's hanging when he's hanging 48 points on us. That's when I hate him. Yeah. But. I would just like to say for the record that the Chargers beat both the Chiefs and the Bengals this season. Uh, so we um, just for the record, the Raiders beat the Chargers in the last game of the regular yeah, I know. season. And don't need to bring it up. I was very. I didn't even. You, I didn't even watch. I did not watch that game. I, that's a lie. I didn't watch the second why? half of that game. Well, there was a point in which like the the, the Raiders were winning. I think it was like twenty seven fourteen or something like that. And I literally turned my TV off, and I'm like, I'm clearly bad luck. And then people started texting me like, oh, man, did you see that throw? Like, I was like, no. And they're like, oh, man, like, do you see that throw again? I was like, no. They're like, oh, man, it's like the game's going to overtime. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, clearly I'm doing something right by not watching the game, right? So, like, Did you turn it on before the Carlson field goal? No, I literally did not watch it until my friend texted me like, oh, yeah, you guys lost it. I was like, okay, cool. Did you turn it on when Staley called timeout? No, I, I'm telling you, I did not turn the game on after like it was 27-14 or something like that. Like I was just, it was just completely off the whole time because I, I was just bad luck. Clearly, I was bad luck. So that team not making the playoffs this year is a shock to me. Though. I mean, we lost to the Texans after a bye week, so not really a shock to me. Uh, we just how how that was a must win game. Oh, we had a lot of must win games that we lost. Don't even talk to me about it, dude. It was absolutely atrocious but yeah okay that's that's our football t- takes uh hope hope you guys enjoyed them hope, hope you guys watched the championship games they're gonna be fun 
<laughs> It'll be a good weekend of football. I'm yeah, okay. Excited. Last weekend of football um, was probably the, the greatest weekend of football I've ever watched. Every game. It, nothing nothing is going to top that. I, Nothing's going to top it. Now let's move on to, to some tennis real quick before we go to basketball. Uh, we're going to keep all these super quick. Yeah. We are. I just want to say, kinda... Australian Open's going on. Uh, Nick Kyrgios is out of the singles, but he's he's, he's, he's in the doubles. He's made the semifinals of, of the men's doubles with his friend and doubles partner, Thanasi Kokonakis. And it's kind of crazy to see because t- tennis is seen like as a gentleman's sport and whatever. Australia is, you know, a bit rowdy in terms of the crowd anyways, but like the crowd, whatever they're playing, riled up. Absolutely oh, insane the, to see the energy off the like in the crowd is so crazy. No man, this is one area and one tournament where curios can shine, yeah. right? Because it's a it's a gentleman's sport. You got to be polite, courteous. The crowd's got to be quiet. You know, it's like golf claps and only cheering at the end of the set. But <laughs> I need tennis to become more like this. If I'm being completely honest, I think there are fans of the sport. And then there are casual fans who want to be fans of the sport, but just don't find it either like they're not as passionate about it as one would be, or they think it's a little slow, monotonous. I don't know. But this is good for the sport. I agree. I think some parts of it, like like Curious's opponents, when they're serving, the crowd will not shut up. And I'm like, I think that's kind of a bit rude. And, you know, like at least let them serve, right? But like, it's just the, the energy levels are insane, and I cannot imagine. Like, but I don't, I don't care about like that kind of stuff. Like, there are three other Grand Slam tournaments in which you don't have to do all that stuff as a crowd member. But if this is the one tournament where you know, like, that you got the home fans behind you, and that's the style of play you are best adept at winning with, like, by all means, go for it. No, you're not wrong. I, I, I just love the energy, and I love watching Kyrgios get get hyped and get the crowd hyped. And he's obviously, you know, mm-hmm. I think skill wise, he's super skilled. He's skilled in most of the. He's skilled in I think any of the top players right now that aren't like Roger Federer, Djokovic, or Nadal. I think he's more skilled in terms of like how much potential he had and still like has more skilled than Zverev and Medvedev. But like he never was able to put it together. A lot of attitude problems, but I mean, he's shining right now, and it's ups- it's awesome to see yeah. his home crowd. So that's my little. If he had any sort of like mental fortitude yeah. or consistency, he would be a top ten player. He would be. He would, he'd want a grand slam by now, in my opinion. But like he's he's undefeated against Djokovic, and he he plays pretty well against. Okay, he's actually doesn't play that well against Federer and Nadal, but still, he's undefeated against Djokovic. This is all you need. That's all you need to win a grand slam. So. But is he the Antonio Brown of tennis? Basically, basically, I mean, not really, not with like the the, the like you know domestic violence issues and stuff and like whatever. But like he, like Antonio Brown also like like was a top two receiver in the league for right. He was the best at his position yeah. for several years. Like, I I don't, don't don't even have a comparison for for Kyrgios because like imagine someone that had all the skills of Michael Jordan and like Michael Jordan was like yeah that guy's as skilled as me and then he just never put it together. Like that's like Stefan Mar Stefan Marbury, all the skill in the no, world. Okay, yeah, okay. Remember, everyone had the Marbury yeah, no, shoes worry, like growing worry. up. We all had that. I know. I know. Yeah, but that's my little tennis take. Just, we'll talk about basketball real quick, if if you want to. Um, but we can save it. But I just, it's, it's gonna be a pretty messy reserve process just because of injuries and guys coming back. Like AD is now coming back for. Yeah, what's the deal the with him going to be? Yeah, foreseeable future. Like, is he a reserve? I I would say no, but I think a lot of coaches and media might think so. To be clear, we're, we're talking I, about I the All Star game, so we are talking about the All Star game. This is not all NBA or anything. Yeah. I just think a lot of guys who should be All Stars are probably not going to be. I know that you're concerned about certain... Wiggins, so I think Wiggins should be an All Star. No, I think he should be, and that's but... not even just but bias. Like, I will think he be? Is the question. That's the thing. If Monty Williams is the guy responsible for the reserves, I don't see Wiggins getting in. Yeah, but we'll but talk about basketball in a future know. episode, and then maybe we'll... we can talk about who we think should be the team next time yeah. for the East and the West. Maybe we'll sprinkle in some some other sports as well. I want to start talking Formula One. I know that 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 it is not necessarily. I recently got very much into it. Yeah, at least towards the end with the whole. Verstappen, Hamilton, Chase for. I have, I have a lot of stuff to talk about with that, but I mean, let's even see if 
Hamilton comes back next season. That's a big point of contention right now because he's just been. I think he'll come back. He's just been so. He hasn't said anything. He literally had his. I mean, I, I listen. If I were him, I'd take some time too. No, for sure. I'm not. I'm imagine taking time, but it's just like I really have no idea what he's gonna do, and that to me is awesome and amazing. So, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. Thanks, thanks for listening. Uh, we're gonna actually do this again more regularly. I know we said that last August, but like. You know, no, this is for real. Yeah. This, this is, is for real, real for real. Um, yeah, because me, me and Tree just text each other all the time, and we we post on Twitter and Twitter and, and reply to each other on Twitter. And every single time, I'm like, why don't we just do this like on here instead, so people can actually listen to what we have to say, as as, as if it matters. Know but you, you know, dude, I did you, what you sent me. Like, I got publicly attacked on my Twitter for over posting during this, uh, uh, what is it, divisional round weekend. And that actually prompted this yeah. because Ani showed me that one of his friends said the same thing about him. And we were both like, well, we should just start our podcast and shut everyone up so we don't have to keep posting on Twitter. So this is shout out Zarina. This is all you're doing. Yeah, really, really shout out to her. I, I don't know. Who, no idea who that is, but I have a mutual that saw that. I was like, Ani, this is you. And I was like, tree, we got to we got to back the talk up with the walk. So here we are. Thanks for listening. Uh, keep in touch with us. Follow us on Instagram. That's probably where we'll, we'll be doing most of our social stuff. We do have a Twitter. We should really... Rarely used. Rarely used. We should use it yeah, more. Yeah, but Shri got mad at me because I kept on posting pretty hot charger stakes. And he's like, dude, this is a podcast account, not your own account. Uh, but... Uh, Chargers Twitter is a gold mine. It is, it is pretty funny. For fans this year. It, it, it is pretty funny. But yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll do this more and hopefully we'll get more into, 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 you know, obviously more audio episodes, potentially want to try and go into some short form video, maybe post some TikToks. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we can do like fun stats stuff yeah. and I don't know. And, you know, we're, we're, we're both big film music nerds as well. So maybe we'll do, do some film music analysis, review, whatnot for any movies that come out that we think you know, are, are real good, but we, we hey, the Spider-Man No Way Home vinyl is out. Oh, I should get that. Even though it's going to cost like 50 bucks, I should get that. That'd be cool. It's like pretty limited order right now. So there is a car absolutely roaring right now outside my window. That's Seattle for you, baby. But back in Seattle, baby. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate the support as always. And we'll be doing this for sure more. And uh, I guess our, our classic outro. Stay safe, wash your hands. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> wash your hands, people. Peace.